John actually uh, had called and asked if I'd come and get to talk with you a little bit. And I jumped at the chance, especially since he was on a break. Um, I thought this would be a great opportunity. My family and I have been a, a part of the Hope family for about 10 years now, which is crazy. Um, and so I'm really, really excited to get to be here with you. I'll tell you that uh, just right up front, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. I'm a, an entrepreneur. Um, just to let you know that. So I'm not going to try to wow you with my scriptural knowledge. Uh, I'll tell you that. Uh, but what I do like is I like stories. Anybody else like story time? Come on. Who didn't like story time in kindergarten? I was like that kid, like story time, story time. So I love stories and I love digging into the Bible and finding stories uh, of things, of people that, you know, kind of got a nudge or a direction from God and, uh, you know, walked that thing out and kind of got addicted to it. And we're going to dive into some of those stories from the Bible, but just also some of the stories that are going on around hope, that some of the stories that are happening here in that same fashion where somebody got a nudge for something. Maybe God kind of spoke to them a little bit to go do something and they did it and then they started to kind of get addicted to it and wanted to do it more. So we're going to dive into that in just a little bit. But before I do, I have to tell you kind of a funny story that happened this week um, in that uh, John emailed me, kind of, kind of one of those panic emails. You know, kind of, you know it's John, so it was nice. But it was kind of panicky, like, um, hey, I know you're busy. Any chance we could talk? And I'm kind of thinking about it. And it was one brief email. Anybody get those emails where you know like two-sentence crisis, right? Um, and so I thought, oh, gosh, I better respond to this. And so I get back to him and said, sure, we can set up a time to talk. And it was kind of surprising because we'd already talked a little bit about kind of what I was thinking I was going to say and that kind of thing. But you could tell he was just really important. And, and so we finally get to talk, and it's on Thursday. And, uh, you know, by this time, he's kind of settled down a little bit. But we're, as we're talking, I kind of find out, really, there's, there's only two reasons he wanted to do this phone call. Is one, he wanted to brag about you guys. He was like a dad bragging about his kids. I mean, he was just like, okay, and they've been doing this. And then we decided to do this. And they did it. And it was crazy. And it was just awesome. And I, it was just awesome. I just kind of let him go. You know how John can get excited. You know, he's pretty, he can be low key. But he was just this proud dad talking about his kid. Or, you know, a proud family member just talking about his family. And so that was, that was really cool. And that was, that was awesome. Totally worth the call. But the second thing was what really got to me. And it happened at the end of our phone call. And he's like, hey, um will you just tell him one thing? I was like, yeah. He said, well, I'm going to be on vacation, but I missed him last weekend because, you know, he got to go. He was uh, talking out in, in West Des Moines last weekend. So I guess, you know, he wasn't here and he wasn't going to be here this weekend. I think it just hit him. He's like, just tell him I miss him. <laughs> tell him I love him. Will you tell him I love him? I was like, absolutely. I'll tell him you love him. But it was just so great because it was like this crisis email and that was it. He just wanted to tell you that he was proud of you. And he loves you. So just know that you got an awesome, awesome leader, an awesome pastor, and he's just proud of you and he loves you. So I just think it's awesome. And I, and I, you know, again, kind of our topic today is just to look at people that kind of got a nudge from God and went out and did something kind of crazy. And then they started to kind of get addicted to that. And you guys are the picture of that. I mean, we can go to the Bible. We're going to go to the Bible a little bit and dig into some stories of, of people who did that. But you guys are like the picture of that. You know, five years ago, Doing a church here was crazy, right? To a lot of people, that was just nuts. And then look at today. I mean, we're almost standing room only for crying out loud in a gymnasium. And this is awesome. So again, it's just an honor to get to be here and talk with you today. And so let's, let's do that. I like, I like to dive into stories again, and I like to dive into stories from the Bible a little bit too. Um, and, and one of my favorites in this, in this kind of area of people who kind of got a nudge from God to do something a little crazy and then they went and did it and then got kind of addicted to it, is, is, is a guy that not a lot of people talk about. 
um, it, it, he's kind of a guy that's tucked into the Old Testament, but he didn't get like a book out of it. You know what I mean? Like some of the big dogs got books out of it, right? But this is a guy who didn't get a book out of it. He was kind of a, he's kind of a sidekick. Really, he's, in some ways, I think of him as kind of the actor that you like, but you can't ever remember his name. You know what I mean? He's like, he's always in these movies, and you love him, but you can't quite, what's that guy's name again? This guy's name is Caleb. Anybody know a Caleb? I mean, if you know Caleb, great, great, great. If you don't, that's fine. But Caleb, Caleb is this guy that's kind of tucked into the Old Testament, and he was a friend of Joshua. Joshua got a book. He got a book out of the Old Testament, right? But Caleb didn't. But he was, he was one of Joshua's buddies. And here's the deal is that basically Joshua and Caleb, and you guys probably know this story way better than I do, but Joshua and Caleb were a part of the Israelites. And the Israelites were a group of people that were led by Moses, Big Mo, big name. I mean, he also, he didn't get a named book out of him, but he wrote a lot of the Old Testament. Moses was uh, kind of the leader of the Israelites. And at one point, you know, in the Old Testament, the Israelites were slaves. And then God said to Moses, you know, come and, participate and help me to set my people free. And so over a period of time, through some cool miracles, the Israelites got set free and they started to walk out into the desert. And God told them, I'm going to give you the promised land. I'm going to give you the promised land. And Joshua and Caleb were a member of this group of Israelites. And they started to head towards the promised land. Now there's this little story that's kind of tucked into the middle of numbers which I don't know if anybody's dug into numbers. If you have, then God bless you. Because numbers is one of those ones where it kind of starts out with a whole lot of names and lineage, and you're like, whoa, I hope there's good stuff tucked in here, but I don't know if there is, you know? But right in the middle of numbers, 13 and 14, there's this story where basically the Israelites finally get to the borders of the promised land. They're on the other side of the river of the promised land. And Moses says, you know what? Is it okay if we go check it out first? you know, kind of kick the tires on the promised land a little bit. And so what they do is they get one member of each tribe, there was 12 tribes, and they get one guy from each tribe to go over into the promised land, kind of as a group to go check it out, right? 12 guys go into the promised land. And as they do, they see all sorts of things. They see a land that is truly the land of milk and honey. I mean, the soil's unbelievable. They're finding grapes the size of watermelons. It's like really, really cool. But then they also find giants, and fortified cities. And it gets a little scary. Everybody kind of ever gotten maybe a nudge from God that he's going to call you to something and you want to go kind of kick the tires on it. And the more you kind of dig into it, the more it's like, that's cool, but um, not sure. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm in or not. Anybody can relate to, you at least know a person that maybe has experienced that a little bit. Okay, awesome. Now it's family. All right, awesome. So yeah, so that's where they're at. And these 12 scouts come back. Two of the scouts are Joshua and Caleb. And then the 10, the other 10 are in there, but we won't name them. Okay. So they come back and Joshua and Caleb are fired up. They are excited. They come back and big Mo, Moses is like, so what'd you think? Right? What, what's the scoop? And Joshua and Caleb are like, this is it, dude. Seriously, this is huge. They're like, they're, the fruit is unbelievable. We can do so much with the land. It's just they're in love with it. They're just excited, right? And they're like, yeah, there's fortified cities and there's giants and all that kind of stuff. But this is awesome. And if God's calling us to it, let's do it, right? We all know those people, right? Absolutely. Just like they're in, they're excited, they're stoked, right? And that's awesome. The other 10, though, the 10 came back and they're like, um, yes, granted, Joshua and Caleb, there's some nice fruit over there. 
The land does look nice and rich. That's super. Um, but uh, can we go back to the giants thing for just a second? They're giants with, with weapons, and uh, the cities are huge, and the walls are even bigger. Um, we're not so sure. You know, even though God had done all sorts of unbelievable things, really cool stuff to get them free from being slaves, even though he'd done all sorts of amazing things to get them to this point, they were scared. Even though God had said, that's it, that's the promised land, let's do it. Ten came back and said, um, no, no, thank you. I think we'll wait. I think we'll wait. And I honestly, I don't want to be too hard on the scouts, on those other ten. You know what I mean? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes there's weeks where it's, like in my family, we talk about it. Sometimes it's a Joshua and Caleb week where you're like in, like, man, you can walk through walls. Absolutely. And then there's other weeks where it's like, you know what? It's a 10 scout week. You know what I mean? It's just one of those weeks where you're like, I think God's calling me to something, but I'm just not sure. I'm a little scared. Anybody identify with that a little bit? Maybe anybody have a 10 scout week this week? Absolutely. We've all experienced, maybe we've all experienced both sides of that. But Joshua and Caleb are like, let's do this. And they got so fired up and the 10 scouts got so scared that the 10 scouts actually started to pick up rocks and they thought about killing Joshua and Caleb. They thought about stoning them to stop this. You believe that? That's how scared they were. Now, to you know, kind of fast forward through the story, it's a big story and it's a cool story and totally check it out. Basically what God said is, okay, I'll give you guys, I'm still going to give you the promised land. I'm going to have you wait for 40 years. And through that process, basically he said, Joshua and Caleb, I'm going to let you guys go into the promised land. But by that time, everybody that's living now won't make it. But they're, they're basically their generations behind them will be able to go in. So that's what happens. So fast forward 40 years. And it finally gets to be the time where they get to go in. And Joshua now has stepped into Moses' role. And Caleb is right there with him, his sidekick, you know, the, the guy that we just love. And, and he's just that lovable. I'd like to picture him. Do you remember like old cowboy movies where the sidekick always seemed to be chubby? And like, you know, just like lovable, you know, and maybe brave and all that kind of stuff, but kind of funny. I just kind of picture Caleb that way. I don't know why. I don't know what he looked like, but I just kind of picture him that sidekick role. But what happens is, is that when it's time to go in, the Israelites are in now. They believe that God's going to be with them. And so they go and they take the promised land. They get to see all sorts of cool things happen. They get to see fortified cities like Jericho fall. They get to fight battles they should never have won, and they got to win. They had some challenges. It wasn't easy, but it was amazing. It was an amazing ride. They got to see all sorts of things. That vantage point of walking in what God called them to gave this unbelievable vantage point where they got to see incredible things happen. And I love that point. I love that point. And that's awesome. And again, I recommend that you dig into it. But the point that I love about Caleb, that kind of one of those big, big milestones that I think we can learn from, especially today, is what happened towards the end. Basically, the Israelites are finally at that moment where they kind of get to decide who, how, they're going to chunk out the land. They're going to chunk out the promised land. And Joshua kind of gets to decide who gets what. Some of the land is totally taken. Some of the land is yet to be taken. And it's time to give out this land to the tribes. And he lets Caleb be at the front of the line. So Caleb now comes to Joshua. And this is uh, in Joshua 14. And I'll paraphrase, okay? Because Caleb comes to Joshua and he says, dude. Again, that's paraphrased. Dude, do you remember? Do you remember when we got to be scouts way back when? 
And Joshua's like, right on, I loved that. Again, paraphrase, <laughs> right? Don't go like, where is that in Joshua 14, right? But he's like, oh, right on, I totally, I totally remember. And, and Caleb's like, do you remember when God said we could do it and we believed it like you and me, bro, we believed we could do it. And he's like, yeah, that was awesome. And then do you remember when God said that basically when we started coming to the promised land, God said that we could have whatever we wanted? And Joshua's like, yeah. It's like, it's your time to choose, Caleb. What do you choose? What do you pick? Now, Caleb at this point is 85 years old. 85 years old. And it actually says it in, in Joshua 14. Caleb's like, I'm 85, but I'm not a day older than when I was when we were scouts. Anybody know an 85-year-old like that? Like, you know, they are just fired up. You're just like, I wish I had half their energy, and they're 85, right? This is Caleb. Caleb was like, I am still the man that I was because of God, and I'm ready. And Joshua's like, okay, you pick it. Now I'm thinking, 85 years old, right? I'm thinking if I'm Caleb, I'm, I'm asking for golf course, right? I want mowed lawns. I would like some nice set-up townhomes that I don't have to take care of. You know what I mean? I'm like 85, right? That's what I, am I Caleb? That's what I asked for. You know what Caleb asked for? He said, give me the mountains. Give me the mountains. Joshua's like, wait, we haven't taken the mountains yet. That's right. Wait, the Amalekites are still in the mountains. Those are big dudes. Caleb's like, right. Why? Because I can't wait to see what God does. I can't wait to see what God does. Give me the mountains. That's cool, huh? That's, I mean, I'll tell you what, I wake up most days, I'm like, man, give me a Caleb heart today. I'm, I'm feeling like a 10th scout, but give me a Caleb heart today. And Joshua, he gave him the mountains, and they took those mountains. So I just love that. I mean, that's a story from the Old Testament that we can learn from, you know, especially. And then in a lot of ways, that's something we can even ask God for to say, okay, I, I would love a Caleb heart. I would love a Caleb heart that says, you know what? I'm so in on what I feel like you're calling me to, and I so want to see what you're going to do today. I'm going to ask for the mountains even though I'd really like to ask for a little golf course, <laughs> even though I'd like to ask for a town home right now, I'm going to ask for the mountains because I want to see what you're going to do, God. Right? I just love that. I love that. And there's a lot of Caleb's in here. You guys are Caleb's. I mean, who's crazy enough to say we're going to fill 200 backpacks? Right? I mean, there's kids in the city who need backpacks full of school supplies. Right? This is not a huge group. This is a huge church. But in a lot of ways, it's not a huge, huge church. Right? And so to say, hey, we're going to fill. There's a need. And we're feeling like God's nudging us. There's a need. We're going to fill it. We're going to fill 200 backpacks. That's just cool. That's a Caleb move. And I commend you for that. And I love that. So if you're already there, if you're already kind of at that Caleb heart, then that's awesome. I just, I commend you in that. But I would also imagine that some of us are feeling a little bit more like one of those scouts today. I'll be honest, I had a 10 scout week. Anybody else kind of have a 10 scout week this week? Or maybe it was just a little bit harder to follow maybe what you were getting from God. Or maybe it's like, follow what I'm getting from God. I'm not even getting anything from God. I mean, is anybody, at least you know somebody that maybe had a 10 scout week this week? Well, I'll tell you what, that still happens. And if you're there, I also want to say it's awesome that you're here. Because God still moves. God still calls us. Even if we're feeling like that 10th scout, God still calls us and still talking to us and still loving on us. And he's still doing really, 
really cool things, like freakishly cool things. Because I tell you what, I don't know, sometimes I read through the Old Testament and I'm like, you know what, today I would take a pillar of fire, right? Uh, I would take a little pillar of fire, maybe a column of smoke. That'd be nice. Or, you know, I've got to cross this river, so if you could just part that when I go, wee, right? Um, that would be awesome, right? Um, and there's days where I go, God, do you still move like that? Anybody else wonder that sometimes? Does God still pull that kind of stuff off? Uh, he does. He does. Sometimes it's a little bit more subtle. Sometimes it's a little bit more bold. Some of you already experienced miracles in the area of health or maybe even in your business and those types of things. God still pulls off miracles. But if you're in that 10th scout role today, I want to just kind of give you another story, a story where I was really feeling like a 10th scout. It was a couple of years ago. And it was one of those times where um, basically I kind of set it up. We as a family had just moved back from Chicago We decided that we want to bring our family back to Iowa to raise our kids here, be closer to family and those types of things. And what we did as a part of that was that uh, in Chicago, we kind of started to get back in touch with God a little bit. Our faith was kind of growing, but we were still new and still kind of unfamiliar with this whole prayer thing. But we we knew that that was something we wanted more of. And so when we moved back, we found a house, we bought a house and it was a big house. It It was a big house and it was outside Ames. And we entered what I called the sitcom life. Anybody familiar with the sitcom life? It was single income, two kids, oppressive mortgage. Anybody else know the sitcom life just a little bit? Okay, we entered in wholeheartedly the sitcom life. I can remember being on the back deck of this house uh, the day that we closed. And I remember looking at my wife going, um, you know what, this is probably some of, one of those things that we should have prayed about, right? I mean, like buying this house would have been one of those things, right? Um, but we still, God made a way and, and we did it. But over that time, we were living outside of Ames we were living outside of Ames, and all of a sudden, we started to get involved with this church in West Des Moines. I didn't want to be Lutheran. I didn't want to, I didn't want to join a church in West Des Moines that was a 50-minute drive from our house, but God kind of led us to that, right? Anybody else kind of have, he's like inconvenient sometimes. He seems to be somewhat disrespectful of my calendar sometimes and the things that I think I want and need, right? So he started to do that. And I'll never forget, we were about a year and a half into this of commuting for church. We started to get our boys involved with preschool there, all this kind of stuff. We were on the road constantly. And we started to get this nudge that maybe, just maybe, we should sell the house. A year and a half into owning this house, maybe we should sell this house. And uh, you know, it was interesting. So again, I was like, oh, well, this is probably an opportunity to pray right? And, and my wife and I decided that we should pray. And it was a little bit like when we finally sat down to pray about it, it was a little bit about Joshua and Caleb and the scouts. I represented the scouts and my wife represented Joshua and Caleb. The way we prayed, I set up the prayer with Lord. Um, and we got on our knees this time because it seems like that's always like throwing a little gas on the fire. You know what I mean? Like that's extra prayer, right? At least that was my understanding. Like if I really want God to hear, I got to push something in my knees, right? So we got on our knees and we started to pray. And I did kind of the 10 scout prayer. Lord, um, really like hope. That's nice. Thank you for helping us find that. It's got good children's programs, right? Enjoy the teaching. Um, However, it seems like we're getting a little bit of a nudge that maybe we should sell our house. And although that's great, (laughs) it's crazy, right? And I just just want to throw that out to you that it's a little nuts because, you know, the house sat, as you know, on the market for a year before we bought it. And this market's really flat and it doesn't make sense to sell a house right away (laughs) after you do that. But if you're wanting us to do that, I'm open. But again, check my list of the reason why maybe it's a little crazy, right? That was my 10 scout kind of prayer. Anybody else pray like that? You don't have to raise your hand, but uh, there's, there's times where we pray like that. Now my wife got down and she did a little Caleb prayer. 
right? Now we're again on our knees. I'm starting to get a little uncomfortable. But she starts throwing out a Caleb prayer. It's like, Lord, here's the thing. We feel like you want us to move. We feel like you want us to sell this house. And although that may be a little bit crazy, I will tell you that if you give us a sign, we will do it. Now, at this point, I start to open my eye just a little bit. Like, um, can we talk to God like that? Are you sure? You know, is that, is that allowed? Like, I'm looking for lightning bolts and maybe a little fire. I'm feeling a little warm. You know, this is dangerous, right? She's like, if you give us a sign, we will do it. What was amazing was we prayed a little bit longer, and then we got up, and we were done. I was like, wow, that, that was cool. So you asked for a sign. That's neat. Um, didn't know we could do that. That's kind of that's cool. And I, I, by this time, I'm thirsty, so I go to our kitchen, and I turn on the faucet, and there's no water. There's no water. I'm like, hmm, that's a problem, right? So I go to the bathroom. Faucet, no water. Tub, faucet, no water. Say, uh, Mel, uh, I think we might have a plumbing problem, right? So I go down to the laundry room. She now is onto it. She's checking the faucets as well. All of a sudden, I come back up. I mean, there's no water in the house at all. She's like, hmm, she's kind of smiling. I'm thinking plumbing problem. She's like, there's a sign, right? I mean, uh, he split the Red Sea. I don't think our plumbing is going to be an issue for God, right? And I'm like, could that be a sign, right? So we said, okay, all right. So we sit back down and we pray for just a second longer. We're like, Lord, if that's the sign, then we're in. We're in. So you know what I did when we got done praying? I ran to the kitchen, right? Like, okay, now let's see what happened. Turn on the faucet. You know what happened. Faucet kicked on again. Now, does he always talk to us in that way? Gosh, I wish he did, but not all the time, right? But he did. He spoke to us in that way. And what's cool is, as I will tell you, in my faith at that point, I was like, man, that's a clear sign. That's awesome. And he, now it's been, you know, sometimes that bold, sometimes more subtle. But a lot of times if we talk with him and ask him about that promised land, he will give us signs. He will show us the way. I don't know if anybody's struggling with maybe a decision or maybe something that you're feeling God's nudging you to. And you're like, gosh, would it be okay to ask him for more direction? Would it be okay to ask? That's okay to ask. It absolutely is. One additional little caveat to that is, is that I will tell you that once we got that sign, I had visions of selling our home. And the visions that I, uh, that I had of selling our home was me running through a meadow with a house sale sign, right? With like troops of people following me with waving money like, oh, hey, God said we're going to do it, so it's going to be easy. <laughs> right? It wasn't that easy. The first week we put an ad in the paper. Two people showed up. They were both grumpy. Later on, somebody that week called, they showed up in a really nice SUV, pulled out, hardly had any clothes on. As it turned out, uh, this gal's husband and her owned a series of strip clubs, and they were really interested in our house because it was off in the middle of nowhere. Um, I'm praying again, going, this is not at all what I asked for, right? We did a for sale sign out on the highway, because this is out in the country, and it was a beautiful for sale sign. Spent a lot of time on it. Within a week, I drive out to see our beautiful for sale sign. It had been mowed down by the county. Our for sale sign was in shrapnel in the, uh, in the ditch. And I'm like, gosh, this is not what I signed up for at all, God. But God's like, hey, and say it would be easy. I just said I'd be with you. I said I'd be with you. And he was. And we felt a certain peace that didn't make sense. And we continued to move forward until one day a, a red Impala pulled into our driveway. A red Impala pulled into our driveway and it was a guy who got out and he literally said, hey, this is the house for sale. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I think this is the house I've always wanted. I think this is the house I've always wanted. And I got to take him around the house a little bit. He's like, can I bring my wife back tonight? 
sure, right? I mean, it was great. I mean, they started to fall in love with the house. It was great. Two days later, they brought the father-in-law to come and the father-in-law was in a much more grumbly mood, right? He came to truly kick the tires on the house. Didn't like the house. Don't like that. That window, da, 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 right? Went through and the, they were following suit, kind of nodding with him. And I'm like, oh Lord, I think this is falling through, right? They get back into the car. The husband comes running back up, comes in the door. He's like, hey, I told him I forgot my jacket. We still love the house. Call you tomorrow. Runs back out to the house, runs back out to the car. It was absolutely amazing. Was it scary at times? Absolutely. Was it work at times? Absolutely. But we wound up getting to sign that uh, buyer's agreement on our deck with them uh, while eating steaks that they brought to our house. And again, it's such a simple little example, but I offer it for a couple of different reasons. One, to show that that's just one way that God moves. And two, it's, it's a way, it's a story that helps to show that God moves in our lives, even in the details of our lives. I, I will tell you that part of that for me was like, okay, uh, you know, a health issue, God would probably be all over that, or big issues, issues with the church, or big issues with the family, or those types of things, God would be all over that, but would he really be interested in helping us sell our house? Well, if he calls us to it, absolutely. Those little details in our life, those little things, he can still pull off miracles. And like Caleb, we can start to get addicted to seeing those things happen. I'm guessing that as you've seen things play out here and you've seen miracles happen, maybe you felt crazy things that God's calling, to you, calling you to do, you've got to see those things happen. And uh, we um, referenced that Ephesians 3 verse, and I want to kind of close with this. Because what I love about this verse is that God, uh, that God, through Paul, who was writing from a prison cell, talk about somebody who truly was addicted to seeing what God was up to. He was writing from a prison cell as he said this, and he kind of gave us a playbook kind of gave us a playbook to how this could happen, where, how we could get a Caleb heart. And what's amazing and in some ways offensive is that he says, okay, basically he calls us to it and he calls us and he says, hey, get addicted, basically, get in. And basically I pray that Christ will move more and more at home in the hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love for you really is. That's just not, that's his love for you. His love for you. His love for you. No matter where you're at right now, whether you're just totally in a Caleb heart and you're following, or maybe you're in that 10 scout mode and you're just not sure, or you're scared, he loves you. His love for you is way bigger than we could even understand. Paul goes on to say, it's, it's bigger than we can even understand. But if we understand that, trust will grow. And he'll call us to things. So I want to kind of leave you with that because what's awesome is he goes on in this next sentence is now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could hope, dare, or even ask for. And in some ways, the English language falls short on this verse because the word infinitely here, we translate into something called parisos. And in Greek, parisos means exceedingly abundantly beyond. Exceedingly abundantly beyond. Our house is just one example of the just unbelievable miracles that God's done and the ways that he's moved and the ways that he can move in your life. I'm guessing the ways that he already has in many ways and the ways that he's just longing to. Not because you're a superstar, not because you're a theologian, not because you're doing everything right, but because he loves you. So if he's calling you to something, if maybe you're just wanting a little bit of direction on that, What if this week we asked for a Caleb heart? 
What if we asked for a Caleb heart? What if we moved towards that and said, Lord, this week, give me a Caleb heart. Guide me, direct me, and bless me with that perisos, that exceedingly abundantly, that power that goes exceedingly abundantly beyond what I could hope, ask for, or dream for. Who's in for at least asking that, for that Caleb heart this week? Okay, all right. Will you guys stand with me and we'll pray and then we'll have one last song.